0: Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. All right, good morning, Crossroads. Uh, Welcome to our Sunday morning worship celebration. where we love celebrating Jesus. (laughs) Even in the uh, cold winter mornings, even when we haven't been able to uh, join a Sunday celebration for a couple of weeks, uh, which is okay, uh, but we still look forward to uh, gathering together as a church. Good morning, Bonnie. How are you? Uh, Just a couple of announcements. This is really weird to do because I haven't done this in a while with no one in the room because we're live streaming only this morning. But this is one of the announcements that kind of need to share because we're live streaming only this morning. And that is uh, our inclement weather policy. Now, granted, weather wasn't that bad this morning. There's a lot of snow things. But I got so many notifications from pretty much almost every family saying, here's why I can't make it that we were like, you know what, let's just live stream only, allow people to stay home and stay safe. But in case of inclement weather, we update our Facebook, we update uh, our website. Uh, You can call. We also update WPXI. Sometimes it takes a little bit for WPXI to update. Uh, We didn't uh, meet a couple of weeks ago because uh, the parking lot was covered with ice. We were going to meet last week, But then, because I came down and there was a little bit of snow in the parking lot and I checked some of the spots and it seemed great, but then Brandon Wagner got here, stepped out of his car and went down hard, Uh, didn't spill his coffee though, Uh, uh, good balance, Uh, didn't spill his coffee, uh, and then we went out and looked and there were icy spots, so at the last minute... Uh, we decided to, hey, we're not going to gather because we wanted people to stay safe. Uh, Same thing we did this morning at the last minute. Uh, So many people, almost every family that I can think of, contacted and said, hey, we're not going to make it. And then the ones who I emailed or called to make sure they were aware that we're live streaming only, they weren't planning on coming anyway. Um, I did get an email from Jackie when I emailed her, Uh, she emailed me back and said, hey, I am definitely missing all of my church family. I feel that. I'm missing you guys as well. Um, I'm glad that at least we can live stream this morning, but I am missing gathering with everyone, talking to everyone, hanging out with people, checking in with everyone. She also said make sure that everyone wishes Gary a happy birthday uh, because his birthday is coming up. I think it is tomorrow. But also tomorrow is... um, Valentine's Day. So I wanted to wish everyone a happy Valentine's Day. Uh, pray that you are able to spend some time with the ones that you love. And if your husband or spouse or wife or whoever hasn't told you, you are definitely loved. Uh, and Valentine's Day, yeah, it's awesome that we can, you know, kind of do things with the people we love. But what it's really all about is this. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for a friend, right? And and the cool thing is um, he says no one has greater love than this, and to lay down one's life for a friend. But the Bible also tells us that while we were enemies of God, God sent his son to die for us. So even though God looked at us as enemies because of our sin, Jesus said, hey, even though I'm going to die for you, I call you friend. And for those who have accepted uh, what he did on the cross, he calls us family. That's true love. Uh, That being said this morning, I want to spend some time in prayer, uh, even though we're kind of, I'm the only one in the room, uh, I want to spend some time in prayer for those who are sick, those who are hurting, those who are homeless, and for all the people who aren't feeling loved today. Right? There's a lot of people who are either alone or because of relationship status or because of a failed relationship. They're not really feeling that Valentine's thing, but I want to pray for those people. We all know someone in our circles of influence who is um, probably not in the best place and feeling unloved, right? So if you know of someone, you don't have to put their name in the comments. Um, um, yeah, we're going to pray for family and friends who, who are sick. Right, we know lots of people who are sick. Lots of people who are who are dealing with uh, uh, physical pain or emotional pain and stress and trauma. Uh, we want to pray for them this morning, uh, and and you can just think of them and, and right there in your home, uh, in your in your wherever you are with your family and friends. Uh, if you guys can just talk to one another, yeah, here's the, here's the people that I am praying for, so that we can we can lift them up this morning. Because even though we're not together in the room. We're all together in the spirit of God and where two or more are gathered, there Jesus is in the midst of you. So if, you, if you're if you with other people, and if you're not, just, just speak their name out loud by yourself. The name of the people that are sick that you're praying for, the name of people who you may know who may be hurting, maybe they're not sick, maybe they're just going through stuff and not in the best. This has been a rough couple of years on everybody because of financial issues, because of businesses, because of racial tension, because of political tension, and we could all use some prayer, right? Um, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm praying that even though I'm not, you know, going through a lot of stuff, that there are people out there praying for me, and if they are, thank you, Jesus, praise God, that you're lifting me up in prayer. And we also want to pray for the homeless, right? Because uh, we tend to think of them when the weather's fine, everyone goes out in droves to, to, to give stuff to them and to do stuff for them, but over the last couple of weeks when it's been like bone-chilling cold and snow and everything's shut down hasn't been a lot of emphasis on how can we help those who don't have a home. People living in their car, people living on the streets. So God, we lift up first and foremost all the, uh, uh, the, the sick people we know, the family members who are hurting, dealing with hardships, and, and uh, dealing with cancer, dealing with COVID, whatever it is. Uh, we know that your word says that, um, as we talked about on Wednesday night prayer, that of, if you list out all the miracles that Jesus did on earth— almost 80% of them were healing people and making people whole. So we pray that you would heal those people and you would make them whole just as you did then uh, by the power of your word, Lord. Some by just the touch of your hand. So we pray that by your spirit, your spirit would reach out and touch those who are in need of your healing today and then some just by the sheer force of your will. You just willed it done and it was done. And God, we know even if they don't see that, that wholeness and that healing today, if it takes tomorrow, if it takes whatever, if it takes a surgery, if it takes doctors, whatever it is, we just submit it all to you. And we pray for all those who are hurting, especially with Valentine's Day coming up, all those who are feeling unloved, all those who are feeling alone, all those who are feeling like there is no one who can truly love them. We pray that someone somehow would communicate to them the depths that you went through in order to show your love for them, sending your son to die for them. God, we pray that they would experience and know your love And we pray for all those who are homeless, Lord, all those who are out in the cold, even uh, now as the temperatures are just coming out of single digits, we pray that you would send droves of people with blankets, clothes, whatever it takes to help them, to comfort them, to provide a place where they can stay warm and stay safe. And we pray all of these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. 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 Um, So, Because we don't have like a whole worship team and I'm I'm the only one in the room, uh, we're going to just jump right into uh, preaching through the message (laughs) that we have been walking through. If you've been following along, uh, we've been walking through the book of Zechariah, which we are halfway through right now, despite having the last couple of weeks off. Uh, And the theme of the book of Zechariah is a call from God to the people of God right, to to the Israelites back then and to us today to get back to work doing the thing that God has called us to do. Now, for them, back then, it was rebuilding the temple, right? God specifically said, hey, these guys were in captivity. Now they're out of captivity. Now get back to work doing the thing that God has called you to do. And the reason that you were allowed out of captivity is to rebuild the temple, to reestablish this place of worship, Now, that was for them Old Testament. For us today, uh, what we are called to do is to get back to rebuilding God's kingdom, right? The only reason that the church is on earth, the only reason we exist today is we're supposed to go out and tell others about uh, this God who loves us, who saved us, who sent his son to die for us. That's our main focus. That's our primary mission. That's the main thing that we're supposed to do. And we need to get back to work to doing it. Just like in that day, the Israelites got distracted building homes, building houses, starting businesses, trying to make a life for themselves. And we've been distracted because we've been through a pandemic, and people are struggling to keep their businesses afloat. And all of these things are getting in the way. But we still, as the body of Christ, have one job. One thing that God has called us to do. And that's to tell people about his amazing grace, love, and forgiveness that he offers to everyone, right? Now, um, this, this is a little bit, uh, as, as we're going to jump into this, um, this is a little bit different of a topic than uh, what you normally see when one of the prophets of God, because that's the book of Zechariah, it's, it's, it's a prophet, written by a prophet of God, uh, speaking out to the people. And normally, when you have something like that, right, you have um, the prophet who will speak to the people and say, hey, people of God, God said, go do this, right? So you have God who will reach out to this prophet and say, thus saith the Lord, go tell the people. And then the prophet will say, hey, people of God, this is what God said for us to do. We've got to go do this. And that was how Zechariah started his letter. It was like, thus saith the Lord, get back to work, I'm doing what I called you to do, right? But what we're going to look at today uh, as we get through chapter seven, which brings us, you know, will bring us halfway through the book of Zechariah. It's not God to his people saying, hey, people of God, go do this. It is the people of God coming to God and saying, hey, should we be doing this thing? Right? Is this is this, this thing that we, we do, is this something that we should be doing on a regular basis? Right?" And, and that's a question. It's a valid question. It's a question that uh, many Christians uh, should be asking themselves, on a regular basis, right? Many many congregations today uh, should be asking themselves and, and, and ask, hey, this thing that we're focusing our time and our energy and our money on, hey, God, should we still be doing this thing? And, and, and here's, here's, here's a couple of questions uh, I'm going to share. You guys can't see the screen and I can't control the camera from up here, but you guys can't see the screen, but hopefully uh, it will show up on the screen and you'll be able to see it. Uh, three questions that everyone, every, every congregation should ask um, about every ministry they're doing every now and then, and this even works within individuals or families, every now and then we should step back and ask these questions about things that we're investing time and energy and money and resources in. And the first thing is, hey, is this thing still working? Right? We should, we should look at, hey, is this thing still I can't tell you the number of ministries that we, since I have been here at Crossroads, that we've started, and the number of ministries you're like, hey, this isn't working, so we stopped it. The same thing is true at the church I was at previously, even though it was a, a, a much larger congregation. There were things that we started and things that we looked at and say, hey, is this still working? No, then let's stop it. But you would be surprised how many congregations have ministries that they're struggling to keep afloat that aren't working, but they're still willing to do it. And you all have probably heard this before. Well, we've, we, we've always done it this way. This is what we've always done. So shouldn't we keep doing it? No. If it's not working, Don't invest your time, your resources, your money into it. And then another question we should ask, is this thing in line with our mission? Right? Because there have been lots of things that I've wanted to do. Like, oh, this would be great if we did this. I heard about this other congregation doing this or these other people are doing this. But guess what? It doesn't line up with what God has called us to do. So then let's not waste our time doing it. It might be great for someone else to do, but it's not something that God has called us to do. And then this is the best question. Is this something that God wants us to do? Right? These are questions we should ask in our personal life. And even before I invest time and energy into something of like, hey, is, is this something that God really wants me to do? Because it's going to take time. It's going to take energy. It may take money or resources. These are questions that we should definitely ask. And this is the type of questions that they should have asked before they started this thing. And granted, if you're at home, uh, we're about to jump into Zechariah chapter 7. So if you're at home and you have a Bible handy, turn to Zechariah chapter 7. The book of Zechariah is uh, almost the last book of the Old Testament. So if you go to the last book of the Old Testament, which is Malachi, the book right before that is Zechariah. And in Zechariah chapter 7, and if you don't have a Bible, uh, uh, I'm going to read the verses out, so just follow along. Zechariah chapter 7, verse 1, this is what it says. It says, in the fourth year of King Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah on the fourth day of the ninth month the month of kislev now this is important i know we don't think about it but think about it um this way uh their their months were a little bit different than ours but the ninth month our ninth month is september right so think about this and and, and i'll tell you why in a minute uh the word of the lord came to zachariah on the fourth day of the ninth month and in your head think about september the month of kislev The people of Bethel had sent Sherezer and Regimelech together with their men to entreat the Lord by asking the priests of the house of the Lord Almighty and the prophets, here's the question that they sent and said, hey God, should we be doing this thing? Here's the question. They said, should I mourn and fast in the fifth month as I have done for so many years? So get this, the ninth month for us, think September, right? right? No, September, yeah. I uh, had to do it in my head because I was like, yeah. Um, ninth month, September. So they went and to the prophet and said, hey, should we fast in the fifth month in May like we've been doing for the last 70 years? Think about that. Now, the reason they were fasting in the fifth month uh, is because when uh, Jerusalem was taken into captivity, they were attacked 586 BC, and I think it was 583 BC, don't remember exactly, when the temple was destroyed, but it was in the fifth month. And so what they said is, hey, because the temple was destroyed and we're taken into captivity, we're going to fast and we're going to pray every single fifth month until that temple is rebuilt until we get back to to the way things were before. And for us, think about it like this. How many people remember when the pandemic started, right? And churches started shutting down in March of 2020 and then uh, mid-March, a lot of them did. By the end of March, most of them did. And I think it was the last week in March into the first or second week in April. How many people remember Facebook and YouTube literally crashed for several weeks every Sunday morning, because so many congregations were jumping online, and people were like, well, you know what? They can't stop us. They can't shut our churches down. We're going to go online, and we're we're going to pray, and we're still going to gather, even if we have to gather via digitally. And if you look now, I mean, same thing happened, right? Granted, it hasn't been 70 years. It's only been like two. And if you look at most of the congregations that are streaming online this morning, they might have five, ten, instead of hundreds like many had, they might have five or ten, maybe 15 people watching online. Even, even when churches opened back up and the thought was, oh, everyone's going to swarm back, we're going to show them, we're going to go, we're going we're to show up, we're going to be the church again. And from mega church to mini church, people just stopped showing up. And one of the reasons is because their their intent and their ministry focus, the reason they were doing it, wasn't authentic. And this is what God addresses uh, with the Israelites in verse 4. He says, then the word of the Lord Almighty came to me, and this is important. They came and they asked Zechariah, hey, should we continue this fasting, this thing we did in the fifth month that we've been doing for 70 years? And Zechariah doesn't respond until God responds. Then the word of the Lord came to me, Zechariah, and this is what he said, verse 5, ask all the people of the land and the priests when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month for the past 70 years, was it really for me that you fasted? He's saying, hey, you didn't do this because you were trying to worship me or fast for me. He says in verse 6, when you were eating and drinking, were you not just feasting? They continued to try to uphold some of the biblical feasts. He says, weren't you just feasting for yourselves? And here's the key thing. He says in verse 7, aren't these the words that the Lord proclaimed through earlier prophets when Jerusalem and its surrounding towns were at rest and prosperous, when the Negev and Western Hills were settled? He says this, uh, you're making the same mistakes, and he said this before, that your ancestor makes. He said, your worship and your desire that your are fasting and all that stuff, it's not real. It's inauthentic. It's fake, right? He says, it's not, it's not me that you were doing this for you were doing this for yourself. You weren't, uh, worshiping, you weren't worshiping me. You weren't uh, fasting for me. You weren't holding these feasts in order to honor and worship me. You were doing it for yourself. Uh, he says you weren't being authentic with your worship and your ministry focus, right? That's the nice way of putting it. The way that I put it, I have a term for it. I call it, it's being a fake church gangster. It's pretending. And there are people who do the same things. There are people who plant churches and start whole ministries. They're not doing it for God. They're doing it for themselves. There are people who go out and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do all this stuff. I'm going to plant this church. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go feed people. I'm going to do all these things. But they're not doing it for God. They're doing it to make a name for themselves. And in the same way, just like we have questions we should ask about ministries, should we keep doing them? There's questions we should ask about ministries before we start them, especially if we want to make sure we understand, am I doing this thing for God, or am I doing this thing for me? There's nothing wrong with doing things for ourselves, right? There, 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 there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. But if we're going to put God's name on it and said, God said, do this thing? then we need to make sure it's for God. And the first thing, it's very simple. Did God tell us to do it? Right? If we're going to say, hey, I'm doing this thing because God called me to it or whatever, um, we got to make sure it's something that God told us to do. I'll give you an example because I get people that ask me all the time, well, hey, uh, when do you ever see yourself kind of moving from crossroads and going to wherever? I'm like, God's the one who told me to come here, so I... Feel like I can't go anywhere until God says, "Okay, now it's time to move on." Right? And 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 I've talked to a, a, a lot of people who are like. I feel like God's calling me to plant a church. God's calling me to do this. I was like, "You gotta make sure that it's God calling you to do it, and not just you trying to do this thing to make a name for yourself." There's absolutely nothing wrong with doing certain things. Just because you want to, and I'll give you an example, and I'll talk about this because no one's in the room to like laugh or make fun of me. Although if you're doing it at home, I can't tell. But right, so I do this because God called me to. I make TikTok videos because I just felt like it. I don't try to tell any person that God called me to make these TikTok videos. Now, when I make the videos, right, I'm, I'm I'm talking about God. I'm giving glory to God. I'm answering questions about God, I'm leading people to God, I'm praying for people, but I I, I don't want God pulling me aside and saying, Floyd, don't tell anyone, Uh, don't put my name on it, because I didn't tell you to make that mess, and he didn't. That's just something I am doing. But there's a difference between doing something that you want to do, and say, I'm going to do this to give God glory, and doing something and saying, God told me to do it. And there's a lot of reasons why god may stop you from trying to do things one is wasting your time two it may not be again within your purpose and and here's a perfect example right and again you guys can't see this verse but i'm reading through second samuel chapter seven because king david right one someone who god loved wanted to build a a a, a temple for god And God said no. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, after the king, that's King David, was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he, King David, said to Nathan the prophet, here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of God remains in the tent. And Nathan the prophet replied to the king, whatever you have in mind, go ahead, do it for the Lord is with you. But that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying this. This is important. This is one of the reasons why I think uh, Zechariah kind of took his time before he responded. He's like, I don't want to tell you what I want. I want to tell you what God wants. Nathan said, yeah, go ahead, do whatever you want. God has blessed you. He's used you. You're God's man. Anything you want to do, God's going to put his name on. God that night spoke to Nathan, the prophet, and he said, go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says, are you the one to build me a house to dwell in?" I haven't dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I've been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling, and wherever I've moved, did I ever say to any of their rulers, whom I commanded to ship my people, Israel, why haven't you built me a house of cedar?" So David said, hey, I want to build God a house. God said, that's not your role. That's not your purpose. And there's a couple of reasons. One is because he told David, hey, uh, your role was to be my sword, right? The reason there was peace all around is because David went and conquered, 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 so all the people could live in peace. But God said, you've got too much blood on your hands, but I'll use your son to build my house. Another reason is because really the tent that he was living in, uh, if you read the book of Hebrews, was modeled after God's throne room in heaven. So every aspect of that, even though it looked, it wasn't as big and grandiose, it had specific purpose to it. So uh, the key thing to ask is, one, did God tell us to do it? But then also, if, if, if no one shows up, are you still going to do it? And this is something because, I mean, I'm preaching to an empty room. There's only a handful of people watching online. And this is something that God settled in my heart long ago uh, because I came from a congregation where, you know, if I preached on a Sunday, there might be anywhere from 75 to 175 people in the room. And came here to a much smaller congregation and God settled in my heart, hey, Floyd, whether there's three people watching, 13 or 133, you still have to preach the word that I gave you to do. And what a lot of people, the way that you can tell whether or not a lot of people are doing it for God or whether they're doing it for themselves, is if only one person shows up, would they still do it? Or flip that around, if they don't make any money from it, would they still do it? Right? And uh, you guys are aware, I don't make a lot of money from this. My salary is... uh, Probably about less than 3% of our congregational budget, whereas in most congregations, the pastor's salary is anywhere from 27% to 47% of the congregational budget. I'm not in this for the money, obviously, even though I get a lot of criticism from people saying, you know, that's all I'm in it for. But um, that's the question, way people can tell, am I doing this for God or am I doing it for me, Right? There's a lot of people that want to serve on ministry teams, that want to join a band, that want to serve in a worship team, that want to whatever. Are they doing that for God? Are they doing it just so that they can be seen and so they can be heard? And then here's another valid question. If no one knew you were involved, would you still do it? If your name weren't displayed, if your face weren't shown, would you still do it, or is it just so that you can be seen? Right? Because that's what drives a lot of people. Is, is they want to be popular, they want to get lots of views, they want a lot of people to know their name, to know who they are. But then that's an indication that you're doing it more for you, and you're not doing it necessarily uh, for God. So God responds, right? When Zechariah uh, uh, responds to people, when they come and say, hey, should we keep fasting I mean, granted, we're coming in September to ask you about this thing that we did in May, but should we keep fasting like we, we've been doing for the last 70 years? And after Zechariah tells them, hey, you know what? Uh, you weren't really, or through God, you weren't really doing that for God. This is what God says to them. And I think this is amazing. And the word of the Lord came to Zechariah. So uh, he said, hey, you're, 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 doing, you're, you're inauthentic ministry, that you guys are doing is the same mistake uh, that your ancestors made. And that's kind of what God is here, being fake and disobeying God. And then the next thing he says is this the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, and this is what the Lord Almighty said. Here's, here's, instead of being fake, instead of making the same mistake that your ancestors made, instead of, and, 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 and instead of uh, trying to focus on things that you think are what God wants here's the thing that you should be doing, because this is what God wants. The word of the Lord came to Zechariah, and the Lord said, this is what the Lord Almighty said, administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Don't oppress the widow, or the fatherless, or the foreigner, or the poor. Don't plot evil against each other. So instead instead of making the same mistakes, that your ancestors made by being fake and, and, and pretending to worship me and holding feasts that really aren't about me. If you truly want to show my impact in your life, he said, do it by the way that you treat one another. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Don't oppress people because they're different than you, because they're homeless, because they're fatherless, because they're foreigner, because they're poor, because of their class, because of their political perspective. Don't plot evil against one another. He basically says that, hey, how you treat one another is more important than the size of your ministry. gods I mean, this is is God saying, hey, I don't care if you're filling every seat in your congregation or you're filling stadiums, that doesn't matter if you're still mistreating people and treating people like jerks. Then God says, hey, that's not really what I'm calling you to do, and, and, and you're not really exercising true faith. And this, this is a hallmark right? Throughout the entire Bible, uh, in the book of Leviticus, God goes through this list. And we talked about this a while ago. God goes through this list of how to treat one another. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus comes and says, hey, the whole law is bound up in love your neighbor as yourself, right? And then Paul comes and he says to the book in the book of Romans, the commandments, don't commit adultery. You shall not kill. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And any other commandment, they're summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. And then in the book of Galatians, he comes back and he says the same thing. He says, not just the commands, because some have viewed this and as, well, that's only the 10 commandments. He says the entire law, the whole 600 or however many uh, laws, they're all fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. God's saying, you want to show true ministry You want to show true ways that you're worshiping me, that other people can see? Then love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this is important because Jesus kind of puts this whole thing together uh, when he is uh, doing his Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 7, he says, hey, watch out for false prophets, or Floyd speak, fake church gangsters. He says, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. They come to you in sheep's clothing, meaning they're among you, the sheep, but inwardly they desire to attack and devour the sheep, they're ferocious wolves. And then he says this, by their fruit you will recognize them. He says, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thickles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit but a bad tree bears bad fruit. And then he goes into this explanation about how uh, we can tell the good fruit from the bad fruit. And he says this, he says, every tree that doesn't bear good fruit and the fruit he's talking about is the fruit of the spirit. He says, it is cut down and thrown into the fire. And some people are like, wait, does that mean they don't get into heaven? And just in case people didn't understand If that's what he meant, the very next thing he says is, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. So yeah, just just to make sure, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. He says, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So it's clarified. He says, those people who go out and try to start their own things and do their own things, they're not necessarily going to get into heaven. There's a lot of people who think they're on a one-way ticket to heaven, and Jesus is like, you're not going to make it. What you are doing is not going to cut it. And then he says this, just to clarify. He says, many people, many will say to me on that day, that day when they stand in judgment, and he's kind of like, Uh, acknowledging who gets to get in. Uh, He says many people will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles and in your name fill buildings and in your name uh, plant churches and in your name feed the hungry. We did all of these things in your name. And he says, then I'm going to tell them plainly, I never knew you. And this is because it's none of that stuff that we do, again, fake church gangstering, none of that stuff that we do is going to put us in right standing with God. And what's worse, this is the scary part. He says, away from me, you evildoers. And he's talking about on the day when it's determined who gets into heaven and who doesn't. And he's saying, hey, go away from me. The only place to go away from me if you're not in heaven is going into hell. And he says, you evildoers, that word evildoers is a Greek word that means transgressors of the law, meaning you, you, you're still unrighteous. You're still in your own iniquity. And there's a lot of people who think... Hey, if I do these things, I'm going to make a name for myself. But There's a lot of people who also think if I do these things, I'm going to earn my way into heaven. If I do enough ministry, if I, if I, if I you know, sing enough times on stage, if I, if I uh, go feed enough homeless people, if I do all of these acts, all of these things, uh, and, and what Jesus is saying, hey, you can keep doing them, but you're not doing them for me, and I never knew you right? And here's, here's uh, I'm going to sum this up this way. Here's what Paul says about it. And this, this this is why Jesus says, I'm gonna say it plainly that I never knew you, because it's as plain as day. Because Paul says in the book of Ephesians, chapter two, it is by grace that we are saved. Our salvation doesn't come from works. Our salvation doesn't come from how many ministries we do. Our salvation doesn't come from how many times we come sit in the pews, or how many sermons we watch, or the fact that we watch religiously, or that how much money we give, or the fact that we tithe. Our salvation, he says, comes through faith and the finished work of what jesus christ did on the cross that is the only way that we are saved and he adds this caveat it's not from ourselves is nothing we can do it is a free gift from god and it's not by works so that no one can boast so I want to pray right now because there might be people listening who are like, well, wait, I've, 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 I've done this. Uh, I've given money. Uh, I've had pastors tell me if I attend enough. I have pastors tell me if I pray enough. I have pastors tell me that this, this, and this. None of that matters. What matters is have you accepted the sacrifice for our sins through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, God, we pray that if there's anyone listening who has not accepted it, that right now that they would understand and realize that there is no work that they can do, no amount that they can give, no prayer that they can say, no act that they can do that will put them in right standing with you, but it is only through receiving and accepting the finished work, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ on the cross that paid the penalty for our sins that will save us. That as Paul said, we are saved by the grace of God. And it is only through putting our faith in what was done. And if there's anyone who hasn't done that, I pray that they are open to do that right now, to acknowledge, receive, and accept, and put their faith in the finished work of what you did on the cross by sending your son to die for us. And God, I pray that if there's anyone who their, their focus is, is, is on, uh, whether it be praying or attending church or whatever they do, that if it has been from an inauthentic place, that they would get the point of what you communicated today. That if we truly want to show how much we love you, then I pray that we will love one another that we will treat one another better, that we will be there for one another, that we will help one another, encourage one another, and lift up one another. And I pray that we do this in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen.